0: So, How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, before we kind of dive into today's message in this series, I just, just want to give you a, a couple of things that I think are really important that I want to be able to say. I'm sure they'll be reiterated. But everybody say, this Wednesday. This Wednesday! This Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. we're having a night of worship out at our new uh, Parkland property. <laughs> Guys, don't even let me finish so people can hear it, okay? Uh, but we're we're doing a night of worship out there. Listen, uh, this is on the DL, so just tell everybody you know, okay? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it really is. It's it's uh you know, we're, our our contractor is kind enough to let us do this. It's gonna be a great opportunity. It's, we're not gonna stay out there a really long time because it gets dark and uh it's still under construction, and so. Uh, But it's going to be a great time. We're going to do some worship. Uh, We're going to write some scriptures and people that were believing God to transform their lives on the walls. And we're just going to really, honestly, we're going to set the atmosphere of what it's all about. It's a place to worship God. And uh, the first thing we want to do there before it's even finished is we want to go in and we want to worship God. Just like we did on a groundbreaking, it's all about putting God and making Him first. So I, I want to encourage you to come out. It's going to be a great time for all of us to be a part of that. Then also, uh, this week, we've, I've got a lot of people texting me and calling and shooting emails like, hey, um, I, I still want to give towards the immeasurably more. Can we do that as the match still on? And And I'm here to tell you, yes, you can give this weekend. And next weekend, I'll let you guys know what's happening with that? give you an update of of what you guys have given towards our future building project. If you want to give towards that, you can do online or you can take the blue envelope that's in your worship guide and be a part of what's happening here. And so then as we're beginning this brand new series, let me just say this on the front end of the series. Uh, This is one of those odd series where uh, there's probably going to be more questions than there are answers at the end of each message. Uh, Normally, we like to tie everything up in a nice, pretty little bow and give you, here's one, two, three steps, and your life is perfect. But how many of y'all know that life doesn't necessarily work like that? Like there's not one, two, three, and then everything is good. And and I think when we're talking about unmet expectations and broken dreams and shattered dreams, the reality is, is there are no one, two, threes that are going to fix that. There's going to be a process. And so my hope is that over the next couple of weeks, we're going to go through that process, And so I would encourage you, don't just come once a month or twice a month, come each week. And I believe that God will show up and show off in your life like never before and bring some healing and bring some freedom and bring some newness and some freshness to your walk with God. And so I want to encourage you to do that. And so today we're beginning this series called Plan B. And this series is all based on this idea that I, I know that for most of us, we all grew up with some childhood dreams we all had some aspirations in life whether it was to be an astronaut or a fireman or if you're josh mitchell a rock star you know we all had some dreams that we had in this life you know as growing up as kids that we wanted to be and then somewhere along the way we traded in our childhood dreams For The American dream right like we wanted to have the big house and the successful career and the marriage of our dreams and And we longed for those things and we wanted those things and we aspired to have those things and you couldn't wait to accomplish Those things in life and then there was a moment and I I believe it happens for every single one of us Where that dream or that desire gets shattered? where it doesn't exactly happen exactly how you thought it was going to happen because nobody ever dreams of being divorced before the age of 30. Nobody ever dreams of having cancer at 48. Nobody ever dreams of having to start over midway through their life because they lost their job. And for a lot of us, those things that have happened clearly, honestly, were our fault. We made some choices, we made some decisions, we took some paths that led us down the road that caused some things to break in our lives. But for others of us, it wasn't really our choices that led us to some broken dreams. There that that weren't really our choices, it's actually the choices of other people. It was some decisions that other people made that caused us to go through life and not live the life that we had always dreamed of. And I think for probably most of us, it's not one or the other, it's probably a combination of both that caused us to get to the place where we are? Because some of you here had a dream of finishing your life with the person you began it with, the person you got married to, and yet that has not happened, and you're asking God the question, like, God, why is this happening? Some of you have had the dream that you're going to have kids one day, and you can't get pregnant, and you're going, God, everybody else is getting pregnant. Why can't I get pregnant? What's up with that? Some of you had a career dream where you thought you were going to start this business, or or you were going to sign this deal or you were going to end up in ministry and those things aren't taking place the way you thought they were some of you are single and thought by now that you would be married and there's no hope on the horizon you're like god what's up single people come on where are you at single people raise your hands come on be proud be proud single people okay i know there's more than two of you i see an entire front row Listen, if you don't raise your hand, you don't know who your options are. I'm just telling you right now, trying to help you out right now. But of course, you don't want to play. That's fine. You stay single. You stay single. I'm trying to help you in church right now in Jesus' name. Listen, you don't respond, I can't help you. Trying to pastor you here. Trying to teach you something about Jesus and relationships. You don't even know. leading you there just kidding. I don't know anything about relationships. I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just lucky I got one. I just, <laughs> this guy, she shows up every day. I'm winning. So, uh. But here's the deal. why you hope for all those things and those things aren't happening, doesn't it seem like it's happening for everybody else? Doesn't it seem like you're like, oh man, I just want to be married and everybody else is married? man, I just want to be successful in business, and you, you get around people, and it seems like everybody else is successful in business. Man, I just want to have kids, and everybody else is having kids. It's like, man, why is it happening for everybody else, but yet that dream is not happening for me. Everybody else is happy in their career and successful in their career, but it's not happening for me, and here's what I want you to know. No matter what has happened or how you feel, this is what I'm learning in my life, and I believe that God wants you to learn in your life, and it's this. If you're taking notes, is that Every single one of us needs healing. Every single one of us in this life needs some healing. Because every one of us has a picture of the way life should be. This is the dream. This is the goal. This is the aspiration. Here's what I want it to be. And then over here we have a picture of reality. And reality, a lot of times, is a great reminder to us that the dream is not happening. It's a reminder to us that there are a lot of unmet expectations still in our life. And it's a reminder that life hasn't turned out the way that we dreamed it would. And for some of you, your season of shattered dreams and unmet expectations has even caused you to question whether God is real. You're like, God, are are you real? Are Are you even there? And honestly, that's not really the question that I get to in life. The the struggle that I have is the fact that there is so much pain and there is so much suffering in the world. And and, and the question for me is not, does God exist? The the inner struggle that I have is being able to reconcile this this, this God that is all-loving and all-powerful, yet all this pain and suffering that people experience on this earth. Sometimes it's hard to reconcile those two aspects of life so what do you do with your shattered dream what do you do with the unmet expectations of what you thought and what your reality is and i believe the answer to that question will tell you a lot about your life and really the greatest answer that we can find is actually found all throughout scripture I mean, all throughout Scripture, you see people that have this picture of what they want in life and then the reality of life and their shattered dreams. And somehow, in some way, God comes in the middle of that and speaks to them. And I believe that He wants to speak to you today. And so if you want to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 21, that's where we're going to be hanging out today. If you don't have a Bible, you can look in your worship guide. If you didn't grab one of those worship gods, shame on you. I'm just kidding. But you can look at the screen. All the scripture will be up there. And uh, we're going to be looking at a story uh, of David. And it's kind of an obscure part of his life. But I think it's an important element when it comes to our shattered dreams and our unmet expectations. And I want to kind of set the stage For this scripture. So, let me give you a backdrop of what's happened in David's life. So, at this time, in the very beginning of David's life, there's a king. His name is Saul, and he is ruling over the kingdom of Israel and there's a prophet named Samuel. And Samuel one day hears from God saying, hey, you're to go anoint somebody else to be king of Israel. And so David hears that it's his family from this guy named Jesse. One of his sons is going to be anointed king. And so he goes to Jesse and Jesse parades son after son after son in front of Samuel. And and each one, and Samuel's like that's not the one that God has called. That's not the one. That's not the one. That's not the one. And he gets to the end and he goes do you have any more sons? And Jesse's like, no man this is my family. And he's like, wait a second there's that one more kid that, that it's He's kind of the runt of the family. He's out watching some sheep. You don't don't want to see him, do you? And they're like, yeah, go get him. And it's David. He's out there tending sheep, just doing his job. He comes in, and Samuel goes, this is the one. This is the one that I'm going to anoint king. And so he anoints David king, which is awkward to Jesse and David and all of his brothers because there's already a king. His name is Saul. And it's not like Saul is going anywhere. It's not like he doesn't have any children because he's actually got a son named Jonathan who's a great guy, and so they're kind of disregarded. They're thinking, man, this old man is senile. He's missed the mark, but whatever, and so they just go about their business. David goes back out into the fields tending sheep. After some period of time, uh, David's father, Jesse, comes to him and says, hey, listen, your brothers are off at war with the Philistines, with the army of Israel. I want you to take them some lunch. I want you to go do some Taco Tuesday for them. You know, it's." It's Cinco de Mayo is right around the corner, like, let's make sure. So he goes to deliver some taco Tuesday to his brothers. When he gets there, there's this giant named Goliath that rolls out from the Philistine army and taunts the children of Israel. And David, with some arrogance and some pride, probably being a teenager, thinks that he can do everything. Come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about? Thinks that he knows it all. He's got it all together. Doesn't, you don't know what you're talking about. I got it all down. He goes, I want to fight him. And they're like, you can't fight him. He goes, man, let me fight him. And he goes out there with a slingshot, kills the giant, hits him right in the temple, giant falls. All of a sudden, David is a war hero throughout Israel. Because he's a war hero, he gets invited into the king's palace, and because he killed the giant, one of the rewards for killing the giant was that he would actually get to marry the king's daughter. So all of a sudden, David is starting to see the dominoes kind of fall in the right situation. Like David is seeing everything coming to the right place. And all of a sudden, he went from the, the pasture to being in the, inside of the kingdom. Not only is he inside the kingdom, but he's married to the king's daughter. He's a national hero. It's like all the pieces were falling there. Now let me just stop right there because a lot of times we can listen to this story and, and we're just hearing a story. Sometimes we've got to stop and we've got to take a step back and we've got to inject ourselves in the story. Because just like David saw all the ducks lining up in a row, I know that there's been a period of time in your life where it seems like everything was coming and lining up for your dream to happen. It seemed like, man, everything was getting lined up. It was, it was like, man, I can see how God is orchestrating this moment. I see it happening. It's just one or two steps ahead of me. And if I just get there, man, it's going to be like, boom, the dream is going to take place. I mean, you went and you bought the house or you got the promotion or you finally read the pregnancy test and it said you're pregnant or you met the guy of your dreams or your spouse agreed to go to marriage counseling. Like you see it taking place. And I think up to this point, David isn't really even sure that like, this thing is true. But all of a sudden, he's thinking to himself, man, maybe this old guy was onto something. Maybe this old guy had some insight. And he's like, man, I don't think this could happen. But I could really see this happening. And then all of a sudden, something takes a change. He's in the courts with Saul. And uh, he's had a good relationship with Saul. But he can notice that, man, there's something a little bit off about him. His relationship with Saul, and, and he's wondering, man, are, are we good? And then one day, while he's playing the heart for Saul, Saul tries to pin him to the wall with a spear. And he's like, I'm pretty sure we're not good in our relationship anymore. Anytime somebody tries to kill you, it's probably a good chance there's some tension there. And so uh, he, he, he gets scared for his life because Saul, all of a sudden, is becoming very jealous of David. And now everything changes. In fact, Saul's son, Jonathan, comes to David and says, listen, my dad wants to kill you. You better get out of here. And in a matter of moments, I think that David senses his dream slipping away. He sees how God was aligning everything and in one second how everything is falling apart. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It seemed like all everything was lined up perfectly for you to take that position at work and in one moment is ripped from you. It seemed like everything in your marriage was perfect and you guys were in love and in one moment your spouse caught eyes for somebody else and made a decision. And so out of fear... David takes off for the border. And he feels a lot like we do when the dream is slipping away. He doesn't feel like God is with him in that moment. He doesn't feel like the dream is going to happen. In fact, I think that he probably feels like God is toying with him. Getting so close, and then God, you just slam the door. And all of a sudden, he's on the run, and he's a fugitive. And he asks the question, basically, God, where are you? And he does what so many of us have done in that situation. He panics. And he does the same thing that you and I do every single time. He turns his back on God, and he tries to take control of the situation. He tries to take control of his life. A lot of us kind of view our lives like uh, a marionette doll. If in case you don't know, this is a marionette doll, and uh, and how a marionette doll works is that there's strings attached to it that control the arms, that control the legs. So I can pull this string. And his leg goes up, I can pull this string. His other leg goes up, his arm, his head, all those things. And we think, man, I can control my life. Man, i got a string that controls my finances. I've got a string that controls my spouse. We know that one's a lie. I've got, got a string that controls my career. I've got a string that controls God. Come on now. And we think, man, I, I, I'm just going to control this situation. And we think to ourselves, man, if, 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 if I pray long enough, if I seek God long enough, if, if, if I manipulate long enough, then eventually I'm going to get what I want the outcome to be. I'm going to control the situation so that it, it does what I want it to do. And here's what I've learned as I've tried to pull the strings in my life And as I've watched people try to pull the strings in their life, and that's this, is that control is the greatest illusion. It is this huge illusion that we think we have. We think that, man, I can control the wind in life. I can can set its course. No, no, no. All you can do with the wind is set your sail to it. See, you don't control anything, but yet so many of us believe that we are in control, and we love control. Come on now. I love control. I like, I like to tell God what he's going to do and how he's going to do it. Anybody else with me? Like, I've got a dream, God, dream. This is my dream, God. Here's what I, I need you to do, A, and then I need you to do B, and then I need you to C and E and F and G, and when you do that, we'll be good. We may deal. God, if you do this, why? Because it's my dream that I want him to work. I'll serve you for the rest of my life. That's the Hail Mary prayer for God. Do my will, not yours. And a lot of us, that's how we've lived because we're trying to control. We've yet to realize that control is an illusion. And so we're going to pick up at 1 Samuel 21. And uh, David runs to this country called Nob. It's where all the priests live. In 1 Samuel 21, in verse 1, it says this. David went to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he met him and asked, Why are you alone? Why is no one with you? See, for this was an odd situation. David is a national hero. Like, he is the man. It would be like LeBron James showing up here by himself. Like, it ain't going to happen. What does LeBron do? He travels with a posse, Right? He's going to show up, there's going to be like 30 dudes with him. Somebody's carrying a cell phone, somebody's, somebody's walking with it. he's got a bodyguard, he's got all that. It'd be the same thing in David's day. That like, for him to show up by himself, he's like, man, this ain't right. This isn't right. The priest knows it. He's like, man, this isn't right. He continues on. David answered Ahimelech, the priest the king charged me with a certain matter and said to me, no one is to know anything about your mission or your instructions. Lie. As for my men, I've told them to meet me at a certain place. Lie. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread and whatever you can find. So David shows up and he starts lying to a priest. How many of y'all know what that means? That means you're going straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Just kidding. You, you can lie to me all you want. I'm not a priest. Anyways, uh, I'm a pastor. This is different. I, I don't know that it is, but it just sounded funny. Uh, but he lies. Why? Because he's scared. Because he's losing control, and he's desperate to get control again. He's desperate to get back to where he can manipulate, he can pull the strings on his situation and on his life and on his dream and his goal and his aspiration. And you know he knows what he's doing is wrong, but he's doing whatever it takes to keep the dream alive. And so many of us, what we do is we abandon our God-given values in pursuit of our God-given dreams. And what David is teaching us here through some bad, bad judgment is don't abandon your God-given values in pursuit of your God-given dreams. So many of us, it's so easy for us to abandon our values and then what happens is we end up compromising our values and then we end up living a compromised life. And some of us out there, we've been making decisions based on the dream, not based on values. And we wonder why we end up getting in places where we break over and over and over again because you're not going to live a whole life through broken circumstances. If you have to lie and cheat and steal and manipulate your way into there, you're going to have that same thing happen on the way out. Continuing on in verse 8, it says, David asked Ahimelech, don't you have a spear or a sword here? I haven't brought my sword or any other weapon because of the king's business whatsoever. No, he was just running like a chicken. The priest replied, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you want it, take it. There is no sword here but that one. And David said, There is none like it. Give it to me. Now this... This was the moment of suspense. This is the moment where if this was a Hollywood movie, like the music would have been building up. It would have been like that climactic moment where David is like, man, give me a weapon. And and the priest goes, listen, there's one weapon. And it's from this moment. Do you remember this moment where you killed Goliath? It's Goliath's sword. It was a token of of honor for you to take when you defeated him. And really what he, what he was trying to say is he's saying listen, this should have been an icon for David to see to remember that God's past faithfulness will lead to future fruitfulness. It should have been a reminder to him that it, that it, when he trusts God, God takes control of even the biggest things in life. That he can take care of anything. It should have been the moment where David, like the the buzzer went off, ding, 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 ding. Don't abandon God in this moment. Don't abandon trusting Him. Should have set up some questions like, why am I running and why am I trying to take things into my own hands? Why am I not trusting God in this moment? Why am I lying? And i found for myself that if, if I don't find some systematic ways to remember God's past faithfulness, then I will always have a hard time trusting him in my future challenges. If I don't find ways to remember what he's done in the past, I'm going to have trouble when I'm facing my future challenges in life. That's why it's so important for us to remember what God has done in the past and, and almost make some icons or some symbols that remind us that when we're going through difficult times that God can take care of that situation. It's so one of the reasons, I, this isn't a good way of doing it, but it's my way of doing it. I, I've tattooed my arm with all kinds of moments in my life where God has done something extraordinary. Why? Because I'm that dumb that I need it on my body. I need to look down and remember, man, God, I remember when you saved me there, you'll save me now. God, I remember when you brought me and my wife then, you'll continue to be faithful in my marriage now. And some of you, you've got you've to figure out how to do it. Some of you, you have that picture in your home that is a reminder of you when God showed up at that time and provided for you in that moment. You've got to remember now that he's going to provide for you in this moment. When you look at that wedding ring, you've got to remember that God brought you to that special someone. And if he brought you to them, he's going to keep you with them. You've got to stand strong in those moments. But in the midst of chaos, it's easy to forget. And in the midst of the chaos that David was going through, he forgets. And from there, he runs to Gath. And when he gets to Gath, he realizes that, man, I'm not safe here either. The king of Gath would kill him if he recognized who he is. And so he acts like a crazy man so that he won't be killed. In other words, he lies and manipulates again to get his way. And he just continues to lie and manipulate and run while abandoning God, who he could have trusted the entire time. And so my question for you is, is what do you do? What does your pattern look like when your dreams are not coming true? What happens inside of you? Do you lie and manipulate and run like David? Do you pop a few more pills? Or drink out of a few more bottles? Do you retaliate? Do you give up on God? Or you do what I do? You overeat? What do you do in that moment? How do you respond When your dreams are being crushed? How do you respond in the great disappointments of life? See, David is making a huge, huge mistake, and I think it's the same mistake so many of us make throughout our lifetime. He assumes he understands God and his ways. And he thinks he knows what God should be doing. And when God doesn't do what he thinks he should be doing, he tries to take control and he gives up on God. And I've just found that you and I, we get ourselves in all kinds of trouble when we assume that God thinks and feels like we do. Talked about this last week. God says, my ways are not like your ways and my thoughts are not like your thoughts for my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher higher than your thoughts but yet so many of us we try to dumb god down to what we would do because we have a limited perspective of the situation we just have our perspective and when we try to take control in those moments it always causes destruction let me continue what happens for the rest of the story. Saul finds out that David went to Nob and uh, the priests there had helped him. And he actually goes to Ahimelech and, and sits him down and says, Hey, Ahimelech. What, what happened? Was David here? And he's like, of course David was here. And he says, did you help David out? And he's like, yeah, I gave him some food and, and, and some weaponry because he said he was here on mission from you. So of course, you're the king. He's your servant. If he says he's got a word from you to come get stuff, I'm going to give it to him because I serve the king. And the king gets so angry that Ahimelech has helped David, even though Ahimelech thought he was doing the right thing because David had lied to him to get his way. Saul gets upset. He ends up killing Ahimelech, all of his family, and 85 other priests in their family. And in the midst of this slaughter, one of Ahimelech's sons gets away and runs away and chases and finds David and conveys to David what has happened at Nob to Ahimelech and all the other priests. And here's what happens inside of David. He has this realization. He says in 1 Samuel twenty two twenty two, I am responsible for the death of your father's whole family. See, because in that moment, David had a realization that that his way was not the right way. That he was responsible because of his decisions and his choices of trying to take control. He was responsible for all the lives that were lost there. And it was in that moment that David came to this conclusion that my way is not working. And I think for some of us out there, we've got to get to the conclusion that my way is not working. Like, my way continues to break down. And when it becomes apparent that your dreams are not coming true, it is not the time to take things in your own hands. It's the time to give those things over into God's hands. See, when your dreams aren't happening and, and life isn't turning out the way you thought it was going to turn out, It doesn't mean that your life is spinning out of control it just means that you're no longer in control and when you realize that you're not in control that's the moment that you say God I put everything in your hands because you're the one that can control it all and I get it listen the emotions are so high with shattered dreams the emotions are huge with unmet expectations. Those emotions will drive you to drink too much. They'll drive you to eat too much. They'll drive you to do some things that you would never do. They'll cause you to wreck your life. And if some of you were really honest, you would say that it was in those moments of some unmet expectations that you've lived out some of your greatest regrets. It's in those moments that you've made the decision to sleep with that person that you would have never been in a relationship with. It's in that moment that you've said some things to some people that you would have never said in any other circumstance. It's in that moment that your dreams weren't coming true that you threw life under the bus. And for some of you, it's this emotion that has caused you to walk away from God because here's what happens for a lot of us you had a dream you had an expectation and then you had faith and you took that dream and you took that expectation and you wrapped your faith around it And then when that was unmet or that dream was shattered, so was your faith. Because your dream collapsed, your faith collapsed. And you felt like God made a promise. And not only is it not happening, it just can't happen here's what you need to realize just because my will can't be done doesn't mean that God's will won't be done now I've just learned that I can't try to control and maintain what I cannot control and maintain and I've decided I'm going to wrap my faith around God and as I wrap my faith around God I'm allow God's dreams and God's vision to permeate my life rather than trying to make God fit around my dreams and my hopes in life. And David had to get to this point where he said to God not my dream, not my picture, but your dream God, your will God. And then you go, then what? You have to come back next week to find out because I don't have time to tell you today. But listen, today starts with you letting go. It starts with you letting go of the tight grasp of your dreams and expectations. It starts with you stopping, trying to manipulate and control the situation. Here's what I want to end with. I want to end with a question. It's this: where in your life are you tempted to try to control the outcomes of life? Maybe it's in your finances, you're trying to control that string, or your marriage, you're trying to control it, or your children, or your future. that so many of us are looking for comes from when we lose control. The illusion of control. And we trust God with it all. Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? God, we come before you and I thank you that you're a God that's in total and complete control. This is what I know about all of us. All of us start off with some dreams and some aspirations and some hopes and some preferred futures of our lives. But then life happens. And the picture that we had and the reality that we live look vastly, vastly different. And a lot of us, we've gotten hurt that's in those two dichotomies of pictures. We've gotten frustrated. We've made some decisions. We've tried to take control. And we've grasped it so tight for so long that we don't know what life is like, not with the illusion of control, but the reality is is we're lost. And I believe that today, God, you want to bring some freedom. But it starts with us releasing that illusion of control, saying, God, this is the area that I'm trying to control in my life right now. God, I hand it over to you. And for some of you, maybe it's A relationship with God. Maybe that's that you've been trying to run your life and you've never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. You didn't realize that maybe 2,000 years ago that God loved you so much that He sent His one and only Son to die on a cross for your sins and your shame and your pain and your preferred picture so that you could have a different life. And maybe today is the day that you need to give Him control of your entire life. For others of you, you've just been trying to control areas And today you need to give that to God. I'm going to ask Pastor Josh to lead you in a prayer of salvation and a prayer of losing control.